What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This is my baby. And these two were just along riding my carpet, my carpet tail. Kevin Sherrington. I did not choose the dance life. It chose me. Barry Horn. You know what my intention is? When's the last time that anybody has ever asked you a question? No one's ever asked me a question. I'm married. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Balls. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the Cowboys. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Hello, everybody. Here we are. It's the new year, and the Cowboys have once again disappointed us. And so bringing us in a guy who never disappoints us is David Moore. David, how are you? Was that really Evan's voice in that open? Can you believe that? You know, that's his his radio voice. What a a pathetic attempt to go low. Please. Evan goes low all the time, but it's usually just low blows. Evan is speechless. I've never seen him like this. He's thinking. He's he's going to come back. He's going to come off the top ropes on you. I think. Wow. Hello, David. How are you? Wonderful, Evan. How are you? Let's let let David. They must like the Cowboys' season win. But go ahead. Yes, yes. The the boys were having a a problem there. They apparently didn't hear me in their ears and. They were we, hear we can hear you now. Um, so we're, we're, I can hear you in my ears, Evan. Yeah. David, should we start, you know, since we haven't talked in two weeks, should we start at the end or should we start uh, with where we're at now? It's your show, wherever you want to go. I'm here for you, buddy. Well, I, I'm still hung up on this. I, I, I have to go back to what I think, you know, basically was the end of the, the hope for this season was that goal line series against Seattle in which Zeke Elliott did not get the ball. And there seemed to be no repercussions for that, which I thought was, if, if this franchise's bar is supposedly as high as it is, those kinds of calls and mistakes can't be tolerated. Well, that was an interesting one on that first one because they had the first and goal on the three. They called the run-pass option. And so rather than handing to uh, the ball to Elliott, which, would, which you would anticipate would have happened, especially given how they were running the ball up to that point, uh, what Dak Prescott saw defensively led him to roll out and then keep the ball and run where he picked up one yard. So it was actually Prescott who was given the option on that play and uh, decided to do something else. Uh, went out, was going to throw, didn't feel he could squeeze the ball into uh, Cole Beasley, who was, who was open briefly, didn't feel he could drop it over the uh, oncoming defender, so ran and only picked up a yard. And then the, the rollout, they didn't even attempt to run on second down. That was a pass. So that sequence, I think, certainly should be called into question. But now you get into, okay, sure, the, the offensive coordinator and the head coach can impose and say, we're not giving you an option hand the ball to Elliott, it's first and goal on the three, hand the ball to Elliott, regardless of what the defense does. 
Or do you give your quarterback who's in his second season and you trust his judgment some latitude? So, you know, it's it's not strictly, uh, okay, should Linehan just have imposed it and said, look, you're running here, I'm not going to give you the option, I don't care what you see. Or do you say, you are a franchise quarterback, uh, we trust your decision-making, you've been pretty good in the red zone all year, we'll give you the option. Did you so, ever- did, yeah. you, did you ever get a chance to ask uh, Lenahan if he would do had to do it again? If he would do have the same call, he said he, he said we've been pretty good in that situation with Dak all year. Uh, look at all the times Dak has made uh, made plays in that situation with the run pass option or the RPO as they call it. So he indicated uh, he would have done nothing differently. Obviously, you want a different result, and, and they would point to. That uh, they had been pretty successful in the red zone all season, despite their offensive woes in other parts of the field uh, up to that point. But I'll also point out this is interesting, and, and we've talked about this before. About we feel how like one of Dak Prescott's strengths is he's a mobile quarterback who can pick up yards on the ground, but doesn't look to run. He looks to throw first and only runs as a last resort. He doesn't overexpose himself to those situations. But I will point out, if you look at Dak Prescott in the red zone, he runs the majority of times on those plays. So I think defenses now have a feel that, look, when we're in the red zone and there's a run-pass option, if Elliott doesn't run the ball, chances are Prescott's going to run the ball. And I think Seattle scouted it, knew it, and I I think that is now the book uh, on this offense in the red zone on the run-pass option that – Prescott is more likely to run than throw once he exercises that option in the red zone, and uh, I, that's just going to—that's something this offense is going to have to adapt to uh, and give some different looks for next season. All right, Kevin, you are—you are a general columnist here. You are in the position of saying good, bad, higher, fire. Should that series and what it cost the Cowboys have cost somebody a job? No, I, I wouldn't. I would never hire fire somebody off uh, one series. I mean, I just, you know, to me, uh, what you don't want to get into, and, and this is what I wrote about in my column for today, uh, is a, about uh, being knee jerk about these kind of things. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not saying that Jason Garrett is the answer as a head coach. Uh, the, the comparison I made was to Jeff Fisher, who actually had three eight and eight seasons, just like uh, Jason had. The difference is that then he went out and got in the Super Bowl the year after that. Um, but I, I think that things can still work. Uh, I think that there's certainly things that need to happen with this offense. They, they're too predictable, uh, and, and, the, and the league is caught up with them and knows what they're going to do, and, and they weren't good enough to impose their will on teams. You know, they, they had to integrate new parts in that offensive line. I think that showed up. Uh, you had guys like Tyron Smith that was hurt. Uh, so those are those real issues. I think we saw – that too much was put on uh, Dak's shoulders uh, this year. I think we saw why he was a fourth-round draft pick. Uh, not a terribly accurate passer. Uh, a, a, a good enough, but not a, not a great one, and certainly not a guy who wants to, to take chances. To me, the, the bigger issue is that you have to look at what's working and what's not working. The, the, the offense has worked pretty much. But uh, but now you you gotten to a, a point where the wide receivers are are almost uh, you know a wash. Uh, Dez is not working. Well, Dez is not, and, and to me that's the big thing about the Dez to Dak 
you know, or the Dactadaz uh, combination. That's not working. Well, and nothing's, it, nothing's working. It's the whole passing game is not working. Yeah, the whole passing game it doesn't work, and I think it's because of that. I'm amazed, you know, listening to, to Ronde Barber in the game the other day, talking about how Daz is still, oh, he's still a good player. It's like, I'm sorry, I don't see that. He's not still a good player. Well, David, what happens with Daz? Well, that, that is that is the one of the primary questions I, I think in this off season. I think uh, if he's willing to accept a pay cut, he will be here. Now, what is what is the pay cut going to be? Because um, I, I think he still has value on the open market, and and I think if you get the number too low. Uh, he would say, well, look, I could sign a two-year contract, and with the signing bonus, I'm going to make more money than that going elsewhere. So it's not going to be a reduction of cutting this thing in half like they've done in the past with Doug Free and, and some other players, uh, Brandon Carr, that they've been able to keep here an extra year or two near the end of their contracts because they were willing to uh, renegotiate and, and take a significant cut. But – Look, I don't think there's any way they retain him on the payroll for next season at what he's supposed to make. and Which is and $14 million. Know, is that right, David? Yeah, that's right. And, and they also know that Des Bryant is, is so temperamental uh, and, and so uh, espouses uh, loyalty and how much it means to him that he could view that as an act that he will sever the relationship just by merely bringing up the possibility of, of a pay cut. But, but I found it interesting uh, when he did talk in, in the final days leading up to that uh, regular season uh, finale uh, you know, against Philadelphia, he was asked directly the question, would you be willing to take a pay cut to stay? And I, I thought this is – this tells you more about what Des Bryant thinks about his own season, regardless of all the other claims that came for the remainder 15 minutes about other corners know how good he is and he's still an elite receiver. And uh, if you watch tape, look at this. I watch tape. Look how good I am. Uh, when asked directly that question, he hung his head, started going, well, I don't know. It's, you know, and started shaking his head and, well, I don't know, I guess. Well, well, no, no, because I'm still Des Bryant. He, he, if you're completely convinced that you, you had the season and you're the player you're proclaiming to be, you don't hesitate on that. You say no immediately. The fact there was hesitation there and he had to ramp up and talk to the point that, no, I'm, I'm still Des Bryant, baby, um, to me indicates that at least on some level he knows uh, where he is right now. As a, I, I don't know that he's willing to accept it or acknowledge it or say it's all on him. I think he, he would rather point to the scheme. But that's not unusual from other key athletes when they're uh, no longer at the top of their game. So I want to make a couple of points here. One, Kevin, I, I'm, at, I'm at the point where I think the analysts on the games aren't being honest with, with uh, listeners yeah. and viewers because – I got a text from an analyst uh, last week before, before the Eagles games, and, he, and basically he said, Dez is finished. And he would never say that. On the air. On the air. Right. That's one. Two is, I was in the Cowboy uh, locker room the other day with David, and, and I, I, when Terrence Williams was talking about the passing game, 
He said, we can catch it, but somebody's got to throw it. Basically, he said, he, he said that. You're only as good as, as the guy throwing you the ball. That's which finger I, pointing. Which, which I thought was a real, but then, which was a knock on Dak. But then he immediately goes, but it's not the quarterback. Well, you, you, can't, have it, you can't have it both ways. That's finger pointing. D- David, do you get a sense that they've lost confidence in Dak, the receivers? No, I, I think they, um, I, I think they point it more toward the scheme. Uh, I think they they question why the scheme hasn't gotten them open more. I, I think they feel that Dak will follow his progressions and, and get it there uh, if they're open. Uh, I think they probably uh, their, their questions, you know, and, and again, the the drop off has been dramatic for all of those guys. I mean, uh, right. we're talking about Des Bryant. I mean, the, the drop off was much more dramatic for Cole Beasley. Uh, than it was for Des Bryant in this offense this past year. Uh, all of their numbers were down. And while Terrence Williams was close, uh, he didn't score a touchdown for the first time in his career. So uh, I, I think they view it more as but because you're loyal to individuals more than you're loyal to a system. And they like Dak and they respect him. And they feel that, well, Dak didn't get it to me here, but I shouldn't have been in this position. They should have had me doing this. You know, I think there's a sense that uh, Des Bryant feels he should have been used differently. I think Cole Beasley probably feels that, you know what, I worked all, se- all off-season of, of going down the seam and going downfield to catch defenses off guard. Why didn't we do that more? Um, so I, I think all of them look at the scheme first and say, well, why wasn't I, you know, if they only would have used me in this way. Now, when you start looking at it like that, though, then you also have to recognize was I not getting the ball in these situations because I didn't cre- create enough separation for Dak to throw it to me. And I think that's another element. So I, I found it interesting in, in uh, Jason Garrett's season ending, and I, find very, I found very little interesting in Jason Garrett's <laughs> yeah, season ending press conference. Let me start by saying that. Yeah. But one of the few interesting things I found was, was he said that when you step back this offseason and look at it, this year, like every other year, the first thing you do address and look at is the scheme. Uh, does the scheme fit the players? Are we putting the players in the right position in the scheme? Is it allowing the talents of our players uh, to, to come to the forefront? And he says that is always the first place they look in the offseason. And he said that is the first place they will look again this year. i got to go back to what the players said. I mean, Barry, you just, you just pointed out what it was basically finger-pointing. It sounded like finger-pointing towards – Towards the quarterback, well, but- David interpreted it more as finger pointing towards the scheme. There's a somewhere there's a lack of confidence in somebody, well, whether it's the quarterback or the coaches. There's a lack of confidence there. In any time you any time you lose and and it's, it's disappointing, people are going to people are the players look for a guilty party. Yeah, there's going to be a guilty party. And to me, let me say this about the receivers. And, and people have been saying for a long time, what a great group of receivers. I, I cannot believe the number of people I've heard say that. Let me just go on a record and saying this has never been a great group of receivers. You know, the, the, in this group, what you have is Dez, who clearly has lost a step and who has lost his confidence as well. How many times has it taken a game? Dez led. The, I believe he led the NFL in drops this year. Uh, it takes him two or three, you know, throws before he finally gets one where he gets his hands up. 
you, you've got uh, uh, Jason Witten, whose yards after catch is is minimal. It's almost measured uh, in inches. <laughs> measured in inches. It's like a, his running style is a tree falling. And now I. Know, I I, and I don't want to rip on Jay. No, no, I don't need it because he's a great guy. Right. And, and he's a great guy. And listen, he does the other things for you that you really like. And he catches game, the ball. And I he, mean, catches he catches the ball. But then you've got Cole Beasley, who's basic. Now, I know he wants to get downfield, but, but that's a very small target to be thrown to far downfield. You know what? What he does basically is underneath, and teams have blanketed that now. They've realized that's what he's going to do, so we're just going to blanket him underneath. And then you talk about Terrence Williams as another guy. You've got Terrence Williams and Bryce Butler, two guys, neither one of which is ready to step into that number one spot. No, that no, you no. know, if you cut if you cut bait with with Dez, where are you? Well, see, I, I tell you what, I, there's, there's no question they have to target uh, a, a number one, whether that's in the draft or through free agency. One of the two things, but to me. And you could certainly say, well, that's a crapshoot because who knows how that comes out. You know, there are guys who came out, you know, uh, uh, Ross out of Washington was one of the, the top picks in this draft. He had a very middling year. But I will say this, Dez's numbers were very middling. Well, Dave, so, 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 you know, if you can save $8 million on your cap and, and you use that money to, to help uh, re-sign Anthony Hitchens, Demarcus Lawrence, uh, a backup offensive lineman, uh, that's just a no-brainer because Des is not going to be happy. You know, he, he's not a number one, and he's not going to be happy if you go out and bring in a number one and expect him to be the number two. He, he's just not going to do that. So to me, to be rid of the Des factor and everything that comes with it, not just the fact that he's not living up to the fact he's a number one, all the, all the drama on the sideline, all, everything else that comes with that, I think that that is certainly the thing they need to be doing. David, Let's let's talk about something. You and I are football guys. These are kind of two <laughs> baseball guys sitting here. Dave, what about the offensive line? What what factor did 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 the offensive line have in the passing game and the deterioration thereof? Well, um, you know, it's kind of everyone, uh, not everyone, but I think most people go to the default mode and say, like, well, again, how can you have these problems offensively this year when you have? if not the best offensive line, one of the best offensive lines in the league. I don't know how you can watch their performance this year and still call them without question the top offensive line in the league. They are not. Uh, you had two players move into positions full-time in, in Cooper and Lyle Collins, and uh, before that, Chaz Green at the start, who had not played and started in those positions in the NFL. So while they had been linemen, they hadn't played those two positions. You had Tyron Smith, a guy who missed only one game in his first five seasons, now has missed three games in a season for the second consecutive year, and really he missed four because in that Seattle game he was on the field for three snaps, couldn't go, and came off. So he really missed four games this year, and this offensive line is not anywhere near the same without him out there. Uh, you know, I went into this season – under the misguided assumption that, and I'm taking Dak out of this equation because he's the quarterback and, and, and that's an entity unto itself. But Elliott was clearly the most value, you know, most important person on the offense. I felt Des Bryant was the second most important. After watching the season, I think it's very clear that Tyron Smith is the second most uh, important offensive component on this offense after Ezekiel Elliott. And, uh, you know, they have to wrestle with now, okay. In these last two seasons, are we starting to see his body break down? Or uh, is this just an aberration and he needs maybe some cleanup surgery in the offseason to stay off of it 
uh, we'll be very careful with them in training camp, and, and all will be well. Um, you know, you, you're not going to replace him, but but you have to look at uh, is it, are his skills starting to erode, or is this just these last two years an, an aberration? And when you put two years back to back, I don't know that you can call it an aberration anymore. So, this offensive line, I, I think, um, I think the priority for them in this off season is to find a swing tackle. Now, the difficulty there is you're getting a guy who you hope doesn't play, <laughs> but uh, given Tyron Smith's injuries over these last couple of years and how ineffective the offense has been without him, you need a guy that you can count on to plug in at left tackle. Now, it's clearly not on the roster right now. Do you spend the money to do that on a veteran? And is a veteran going to come here to be a backup that's good enough? Or do you go on the draft and you have an unproven guy that you're going to plug in if Tyron Smith goes down in Week 10 next year? I think that's a very difficult conversation to work through, and I think that's one of the primary conversations they'll be having this offseason. Yeah, I think that's a, that's something you're going to have to add a veteran. And I, and I think, it, you know, if, if it's a guy versatile enough and, and you could pay him enough, uh, I, I think that there's a good chance he's going to play a lot. You know, he's going to play at one of those positions, either a tackle or a guard. I mean, there was – there was plenty of uh, places for guys to, to get in this year. So, uh, so now we uh, if we we then, then you go back and you look at how your team's constructed. You're going to have to sign Zach Martin to a well, absolutely. I've just, you already have first round money in Tyron Smith. You have Travis Frederick who you just renegotiated his. You gave Lyle Collins money. How much money can you continue throwing at the offensive line and not create holes in your roster elsewhere? And, and that's the other part of this conversation that makes it so difficult. Can I throw in another question mark now, which I never thought I'd, I'd, I'd even use this this name in a sentence with a question mark? What is going on with the place kicker, Dan Bailey? I think this was so uncharacteristic <laughs> of what we had seen. I can't imagine that it doesn't go back to his injury. Uh, hamstring injury. I can't imagine that uh, coming back when he did from that didn't, didn't you know result in some flaws or an adjustment uh, in his technique that led to what happened? Um, I tell you what, you, you want you talk about the season being over at an ideal time. It's over at an ideal time for Dan Bailey because you can go through the history of outstanding kickers in this league, and once they go into a slump, rarely do they work out of it during the season. And the longer the season goes. Sometimes you see those careers end. Uh, guys just can't get out of it. I, I think from a mental standpoint and a physical standpoint, I think Dan Bailey, with his body of work, uh, I think they feel that, look, now he's not in a competitive situation. Uh, he doesn't have to deal with this day in and day out and take the weight of, of whether or not we're going to make the playoffs or not on his shoulders. Uh, he can get back and work on his technique in the offseason. He can get completely healthy. He can get his confidence back. Basically, he doesn't have to kick with a game on the line for another seven or eight months. In that time, I think they feel he can rebuild himself back to where he was before. But I tell you, if this would have gone on for a few more games, if this would have happened uh, and there were still two to three games left in the regular season and you still saw this play out, that's, the, that's really the sort of performance where we've seen kickers you know, ruin their careers. So I, I think... Uh, I think he'll be able to get back based on everything we've seen before and his approach to the job. And, look, 
with all these other players we talk about here over the last five, six, seven years, there's not one player in that Cowboys locker room who has been better at his job day in and day out over these last five or six years than Dan Bailey. Yeah. Uh, that's not the guy we saw to end this season. And I think, uh, yeah, this, this ending now may, may help, uh, you know, him write himself in a way he couldn't if there were still another month left in the season. To me, everything reeked of overcompensation for an injury that probably wasn't 100% healed. Um, I, I think it looked like to me his confidence was shaken. I, I, I think, think he, that, I, he's lost but his I, confidence. I think it also, I, I think it impacted his confidence. And I think you oh, know, sure, you get sure. into that Philly situation, it's the and it caused it. Yeah. It was frigid up there, and if you've got a soft tissue injury that's lingering, the ability to get loose is going to be really, really difficult. So, um, I, I think David makes a great so, point that it's, it, it is a good thing that the season is over and that the Cowboys didn't make for, the playoffs for a lot of and people. had to rely on Dan Bailey to make a kick to win to win or advance and to the playoffs. How game. ironic would it have been? Look where he missed two where he missed he missed two kicks and, and talk about you talk about compensating. He missed two kicks to the right, right earlier and then he came back and both of his misses were to the left mm-hmm. against and, Philadelphia. And not a little bit either. David we, no, not, not a little bit at all. We we've talked about players uh how many of these assistants, if any, you think are going to be gone? Well, there are five assistants whose contracts expire. Uh, Steve Loney, the tight ends coach, has informed them he's going to retire. So that's definitely one. Um, I would say, I would, I would say two to three. Um, you'll probably shuffle the deck there, and there'll be two to three changes. Um, you know, th- there's another one to keep in mind, too. There's, there's been no request made because John Gruden is not in place as head coach of Oakland at the moment. Or, uh, but, uh, you know, I think there's a good chance he would request to speak to uh, Rich Passaccia, the special teams coach. Now, he's still under contract, and Dallas would have to give permission. But um, so uh, that's another one to put into play. But I, I would say there would probably be two to three coaching staff changes but the coordinators are safe you think i believe so yeah unless uh and i don't know that that's as cemented and locked down as as everyone seems to believe it is i i doubt that there will be any changes there but um you know another moving part here is one of the uh uh assistants whose contract is up is matt eberflus who everyone refers to him as the the uh the linebackers coach and he is but he's also the passing uh, game coordinator, uh, and again, that's a position they gave him, and it's not just a superfluous position; it, it's also another part of the title. So he just can't go to be a position coach elsewhere because they think they have always thought that Eberflus would be when they move on from Marinelli. I think there's a good chance Eberflus would be the coordinator. So the, there may be some discussions there on how uh, to, to structure that and and uh, what they can do to, to keep Eberflus. And, and uh, so that, that's why I wouldn't rule out. You know, you saw something a few years ago where, where Kiffin came in as a coordinator and he right. was still a coordinator or he was still a consultant and uh, Marinelli moved up. Uh, I wouldn't completely rule out that scenario, but I think it's probably premature to do that with uh, Eberflus and, and Marinelli at this point. By the way, uh, the most consistent cowboy for the past decade has been L.P. Leducier, right? Not... Has anybody been better at his craft than him? 
I would say, well, Dan Bailey's others have had more impact. I don't know better. Uh, yeah, it's hard to say better. He hasn't had any uh, mistakes. Well, we've so reached the point where <laughs> we've reached the point of the podcast where we're talking about the execution of deep snapper. Deep snapper. It's not a point until they until they make well, that snap. Well, since 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 Gavin Escobar is gone, who else is there <laughs> going to talk about? Can, can they get him back? Would, is it possible for him to come back next year? Is it, yeah, is, possible, is it because I think he's a, I think he's I think he's open. You, you think, think it's a coincidence that the passing game is falling apart and he's not here? Yeah. <laughs> ah, thank you. Thank I believe you. he was. Work, I believe he spent there. this year that. working as a stock clerk at Target, but got fired for dropping objects. Wow! Wow! You're so cruel, Evan. That is cruel. I, I David, once Barry's gone to the deep snapper, really, is there anywhere else for us to go? Uh, no, no, there really, there really isn't. Uh, David, you have been swell all season. Um, we enjoy having you. The season's not really over, Evan. Yes, it is. No, no, the cow, our cowboy it, podcast. You don't sound all that excited either, really. You're saying the words, but I, <laughs> I don't know that the, the powerful emotions and, and excitement are. He's, re- he's reading it just as I wrote it for him. You should see the tears <laughs> welling up in his eyes as he's the saying emotions, this. The emotions are here inside. Uh, <laughs> You've always internalized things. I know that. I know. Yes, I do. I internalize a lot of things. And but but David, you are mostly food. You are our pal. Um, you're my pal, and you're Kevin's pal. I, I don't know where where Barry. Oh no no! I walked into the cow. I walked into the star the other day on Monday, and they said David Moore would not be there. I might have to be in charge of our coverage. And, <laughs> and, and, Barry and, immediately and, and, came up with some malady. Well, oh no, my no, God, my no, kidney! I walked in there. I walked in there at ten o'clock Monday morning, and who was sitting there working? Away, who had took, taken a 5 a.m. or something flight from Philadelphia to be back on time. David Moore. My pal, David Moore. Because he found out that you might have to be in charge. No That's why I got And that meant that no out. matter where David was, he was going to have to do more work. Oh so God. I think David flew the plane, actually. Uh, David, <laughs> Thanks for coming back. David, Barry's thankful that you came back and no kidding. bailed him out. <laughs> Guys, I enjoy it as always. All right, well, we'll talk to you about some other Cowboys-related activities here in the not-too-distant future. But um, go and, you know what, have yourself a nice day, David. Yeah. The three of you as well. Yeah, there we go. There we go. All right, there goes David Moore. There goes David Moore. Off he goes. Off he goes. You know, I I think that there's, uh, you know, I don't want to sound like, uh, you know, Pollyanna here. I, I think that there's no question this team really screwed up at the end of the year uh, and was going nowhere. But... There are still a lot of good parts here. They need an, they need another good draft. They need to add some. Definitely need to add some parts. And as as uh, as we've talked about a lot in this podcast, they need to change that change out Des Bryant. Um, but you know they the secondary played much better this year. Those I was amazed at yeah. how well those young guys played over the course of the season. To have that many, I thought it was a disaster waiting to happen. To, to get rid of everybody from the secondary, and now you're going to have all these young rookies play. And then they came in and they played really well. They did. Uh, now, who knows if they can do that again next year, but it was certainly an encouraging sign. And this, you know, this defense got a lot better. 
You know, I realize that the Eagles were were starting their JV, but uh, they still played. They still shut them out. The defense got much better. They, yeah, they shut them out. The weather shut them out. Well, absolutely. The court, their own quarterback, shut them out. Well, was that was that a miserable game to watch? Oh, oh my God! You know, I I I, I just sat there waiting. I, I thought there'd be an interception. The Eagles would score or fumble recovery. Eagles score. Somebody would kick the extra point, and Cowboys would lose that game seven six. Yeah, that was certainly a possibility. But anyway, I just think that there there were a lot of a lot of things that that point up. And you know, I didn't think from the beginning that that Dak would have the same year in his sophomore season that he had as a rookie. Um, I I just felt like there were there were going to be adjustments that other teams made to him. He played so well that was that was bound to happen. Okay, so shouldn't the Cowboy coaches have known those adjustments were coming and readjust Dak? Yeah, I think so. I, I think what happened was though is that you have to strike a balance of they had to be more creative and do more things. I don't think you can impose your will like they did before. I think that's over. You know, I think they've shown that that when when our best players are out there, we're very good. That's what the Cowboys are saying, and they are. Uh, but they they just can't keep them on the field. I just want to go back to one thing Evan said. Maybe the most important time of the year or the season is, is upcoming. The Cowboys have they've got to stay out of trouble. They can they cannot bear. Any are more. you talking about Zeke? <laughs> Zeke, at all. Yeah. yeah, and the others. Uh, Basically Zeke. Zeke. I mean, that is the the time away from the star is, is now becoming. Well, that's pretty much true in all the NFL. That's why, that's why, they have, that's why we yeah. have OTAs. Yeah, yeah. We have OTAs simply because in a, the NFL is afraid of what these guys get into when they're not yeah, yeah. in some kind of organized activity. Maybe we can have them come live with you in the, in the Sheringtons. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we're empty in nesters their, in, now. In your TV sitcom Kevin, house where yeah. everything is perfect. Speaking of which, what was your – what was your overall take on the NFL regular season this year? I mean, are you like all the the fans who write me and say, "Oh, the NFL is is going down the tubes"? You know, everything's over. It's uh, popularity. I, I think people are letting the uh, the anthem protest affect their judgment about that. I think if you if it weren't for the anthem protest, uh, the anthem protests were a story unto themselves, but it certainly. Encroached upon the picture of the, the NFL. I, I I just didn't find many games to be very enjoyable. Well, I mean, I, I think we've we've talked about this before. Uh, I think college football has become a much more exciting uh, option uh, now than the NFL is. I think what's I think what happens in the NFL is they're just so good at what they do, and they keep having to make adjustments so the offenses can just not be smothered. I mean, you look at your boy. I know I know that you're, this is all influenced by your boy, Matt Ryan, and the season oh. he had this year, <laughs> which he didn't even look like the same quarterback this yeah. year. And and I think some of that's just Matt Ryan, I think, reverting back to who he really is instead right. of that one great year he had last year. Uh, yeah. But I think a lot of it is, too, that I tell you that if you give these defensive coordinators and these defensive staff, you give them enough time, they figure out some way to stop well, you. You know, I, th- I think some of the problem is there's just too many darn games on TV. We're, we're we're watching games. Oh, it is too much. That, that should, right. should never those that whole Thursday night schedule, which is not going to go away, as some people think. There's just too many games on. Is that just because? But, but let me ask you this: It's the money. And I, you don't know it's the money. But what about the fact that the NFL said, "What what kind of admission was this? We're not going to have a Sunday night game." Well, the, the they, the they they'd argue we're not going to have a Sunday night game because they want a Sunday night game where one that two teams are playing in. The winner, the winner goes to the playoffs. The loser doesn't. They, they, they had no scenario like that. Uh, that has no impact on. on, on yeah, they, they could have, they could have had a Sunday night game that that didn't matter anyway. 
But it, 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 it was, I think it's the second time it happened, and I think it was New Year's Eve, too. They didn't want, right. they, didn't think, they didn't think they'd get a lot of people. And they, the, the game they flexed on Sunday was Baltimore and Cincinnati, which, yeah. you know, the only impact was that if Baltimore somehow managed to lose that game, that that, that would have an impact on the playoff, on, yeah. on the playoff picture. And the Ravens did in dramatic fashion. <laughs> Um, yeah. Giving up that touchdown, you know, with forty-five seconds. I, I think that's Brian Salen taking him down here. What is he doing, he, Brian? What are you doing? Are you banging your head on something? <laughs> I will say this is, and, and uh, just one last thing about Gotta this, go. and then Brian can stop banging. Is that we're, 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 what we have? If you let's think about the the NCAA tournament and why it was so popular and why it has made college why it made college basketball so big in, in March because you had so many choices. There are so many games being played. There are bound to be some really interesting games in that group when you have so many to choose from. And then in the in college football, it is the same thing. You have so many games to choose from. There are bound to be. In the NFL, you got a finite number of games here every week, and a lot of these franchises just aren't very good or very compelling. You can take the state of Ohio and pretty much just throw that, uh, you know, in in the river. You know that there's just. Who wants to watch one of those teams play? All right. All right, we you know, go because it's, it's one after the other. Because they they need our studio. Yeah, they do. All right, here comes Rudy Bush. We got to go. Bye. Bye. All right, bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans. See you.